This is the 2010 Jack Straw Writers' Programme. Writer Catherine Grace Bond spoke with program curator Jared Lysing about her work. I think the writing process does quite a lot for me in terms of healing. In fact, I think the writing process itself is healing because I have to kind of psychically go back and enter into situations again from a different door. I think that uh, as I revisited my adolescence, it seems like I go back over these events about every 10 years and write about them and think about them. And I think that what I want young people to know is that they're not alone. I know that's a cliche, but it is true. And that actually there is a kind of uh, resurrection that comes out of difficult things. Now we'll hear Catherine's live reading at Jack Straw Productions. Well, the project that I'm working on for Jack Straw is a young adult novel in verse, because I'm just kind of all about teenagers. Um, And basically it is about a girl who travels through time to escape my adolescence. (laughs) So, So... I've been writing, and I've been writing about this girl named Alice and doing all this research on Impressionist painters and the Seattle Art Museum, and I I thought it'd be interesting to at least see if I could get back into my body as a 16-year-old girl and then see if I could kind of let Alice take it from there. So in some of these poems, you're going to hear the girl called Kathy, and in others, she's going to be called Alice. And this is an incident I've written about before, and it's kind of at the heart of this novel. So this is called Sphinx. Awareness comes slowly, the soft darkness, the quilt on the bed, the stocking shapes of furniture. My eyes tunnel down to a pinprick of light. She is there, a small silhouette growing larger. Kathy, I need your help, urgent. I sit swiftly, slide my feet onto the carpet, stand with little notion what she's asking, but emergency, dad, adrenaline rush, I am needed. My feet on the carpet, now a fluttering in my stomach, not fear, a depth charge in the sea of me, still dreaming, my feet on the carpet, follow through the door, pivot left, her hands are on my back, My flannel nightgown brushes my calves. She stops me behind the wingback chair, rough fiber under my hands. I hold on. My father is by the last check mirror, the one you look in just before departure. He has his jacket on. My stomach knots a warning. I keep my feet on the carpet. I will not take flight. Look says mom. I want you to look at your daughter and tell me that you can do what you just said you were going to do. I stare at the coffee table. I am the sphinx, the riddle between my father and disaster. His eyes are on me. He blows a held breath out his cheeks. Not for her, the stopped train of him. He can't, whatever it was, He can't with me here. I didn't even need to speak. So now we go to Alice in the Art Museum. And uh, this poem is called Looking Glass Girl. 
and I actually took one of the um, art pieces that is in the museum and reflected on it in this poem. Okay, and then Jason is kind of the, the cocky guy who's probably five years older than her. Um, and that is fiction, but you know, I, I, Jason's kind of fun. Looking Glass Girl. I'm waiting for my next group when Jason saunters by singing, Oh, little Alice, little looking glass girl. He pivots and flashes me a smile. I glance at my watch, wishing I didn't blush so easily. Did you make that up, wonder boy? He sidles up and bumps my arm with his, like it? He leans close to my ear and croons, what are you doing after hours, little Alice? I step away, homework, lots. He snorts, you work too hard. The delusions are playing at the Skylark tonight. What do you think? You know I'm underage. Damn, give me a week and I'll set you up with some ID. The apostrophes are coming next Friday. You like them, they're in your iPod. Since when do you know what's in my iPod? I know lots about you, little Alice. I gaze awkwardly at a Tlingit raven hat, 1850s, a beat. The moment passes when I could have slapped him. That's creepy, I say quietly. Jason cocks his head. Nothing bad, he says. Raven stares at us with his abalone eye. Something's eating you, says Jason. You think? I snap. The caption beneath the hat says, Raven then changed his spirit into a bird form again and took the last box, the one they call the box of daylight. Jason tries again. You're not yourself. You're usually so, he searches, bright. The mirror that crowns Raven's head is like a miner's light, searching things out in the dark. Alice, says Jason, strangely serious. I've been through some stuff. I know how it is. You can talk to me. Raven holds the box open, releasing the sun, moon, and stars. My group's coming. I can hear them on the stairs. I force a laugh. Keep singing, Wonder Boy. I walk away. Once you've let the universe out of the box, you can't put it back in. So this one is called Entry. And the group she's waiting for, she's a docent, so she's conducting tours at the art museum. I didn't mention that. This one's called Entry. Um, and this is how, in an art museum, one travels through time. In third grade, I read a book about two kids who run away and live in a museum. They escape the guards by standing on the toilet seats. No one could do that now. Security's tighter than a James Bond flick. Everything's alarmed. Munch's screams went missing more than once from the National Gallery and the Munch Museum. That ghoulish figure on the bridge, jaw dropped in a Jacob Marley shriek. No one wants that to happen again. You have to keep the screams contained. No one can be here after hours except security. So how am I? It's nearly 1 a.m. when I see the Manet move. The sea waves begin slowly to roll. A curtain flutters slightly in the window. The air is salt, no sound but water. I step closer, no brush strokes now. A chair, solid, the wallpaper. The flowers on the table have a smell. Museum floor slopes upward into this floor. The wood scuffed with chair leg marks. I put my hand 
into the room. It's like walking through a curtain made of bees, not so much a sting as a buzz. My foot feels the planks of floor. Light from the window dapples my hands. Outside, the sharp smell of sea. The walls go all the way around as if they have no memory of the future. <laughs> And we're getting a little bit darker here. This one is called Patricide. Mom takes me to an expert, so I will understand. Sometimes they use a straitjacket, he says. And I see you holding yourself like that, all in white, down the steps of our house, down the walk. The car will be white, too. I am my mother. I have to be. No one else can be her, so I can't look at you anymore. You've become the red-faced man. You must understand how it is. We can't be a stupid bitch anymore. We can't go hiding our bruises in motels. We can't walk anymore on the thin glass of threats. But I want you alive, please, alive. She is giddy the night before she beats you to the punch. Let's bury the hatchet, she says, then never again for the rest of your life. I wish we had not said that. You study editorials while I steal looks at you. The seer knows how deep the hatchet cuts. Enough now. I must execute my mission. Don't tell Bo he's only 12. Watch instead for signs of rage. Dial this number. They will come then. They will take the red-faced man in their strong arms and they will sing to him sweet and low, sweet and low. Wind of the western sea, over the rolling waters, they will stay the course of my treachery. They will take you white in the dying moon. They will hold you low, low, breathe and blow. They will blow you again to me. This podcast was produced by Jack Straw Productions as part of the Jack Straw Writers Program. The 2010 curator of this program is Jared Lysing. Music performed by Sean Osborne and recorded as part of the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. Producer is Jenny Cecil Moore. Recording engineers are Mo Preventure, CJ Lazenby, and Steve DeTori. Narrator is Amy Broomhall. And executive director of Jack Straw Productions is Joan Rabinowitz. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Cultural Affairs, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, Washington State Arts Commission, National Endowment for the Arts and the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009, the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, Arts Fund, Poncho, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening. <laughs>